Hi, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. This is Ethan. Uh, we are doing a special interview today. Uh, he's been a good friend of mine since Bible college. Lots of history here, this poor guy. Uh, some, some pretty great stuff. Uh, real quick, though, beforehand, he's actually a pretty funny guy, even though we might be pretty serious in this interview. He's got a, a, a YouTube page and a Facebook page called uh, Clean Cut Comedy. Go like and follow that, but definitely on YouTube, because YouTube is where you really want to get the traffic. So just go there and do that, especially if you like him. If at the end of this you don't like him, just go to all his videos, sub anyway, but hit dislike. <laughs> I think it's a fair, yes. fair <laughs> compromise. It gives me some sort of activity on there. <laughs> <laughs> he just started, but it's, it's actually pretty great. So anyway, as you guys know, we are uh, here at the church split. We're very big on the Bible, taking the Bible seriously, but having real deep, actual conversations with real Christians and not, we're not here to sling mud, although we do challenge truth. I believe everything needs to be challenged and, yeah. and and tried with fire to make sure that it is truthful. But at the same time, uh, you know, we don't want to sling mud and all that. Like I have friends from so many different aspects of Christianity, but the biggest thing is that unites us is Jesus Christ. And yeah. that's the whole point of this is to be able to have conversations, but being united under Jesus Christ and not majoring on the minors. And that's why we talk a lot about the minors on this channel, because we want to show the fact that we can talk about these truthfully, but also still be united afterwards. Yeah. Um, some things aren't minors though, because we did recently do a whole Trinity uh, video yeah. series. So I mean, believe it or not, I, I think there may be some things we would, you know, technically disagree on, but um, I, and please let me know if I'm taking this out of context, but I think it was the Apostle Paul that said, um, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Christ and him crucified. Yeah. And, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ and a few major Bible doctrines are all that really... Yeah. Well, I, I say this all the time. I can find something I disagree with with everyone theologically. I, yeah. I, I have been pastoring long enough. I know enough <laughs> hot-button topics. I, I just need... 10 minutes and five questions and I can already get us into a debate. So yes. it, it does not take, it does not take long. Uh, so I think we can just take that as a grain of salt. So I, I know Ethan, he's a good Christian guy. He actually uh, really takes the word of the Lord seriously. He recently has, uh, we, we've been having a lot of fun conversations and Ethan's kind of been going through a really, he's especially been going through a really awesome yet difficult time spiritually. Yes. It's it's been a, it's a growing thing. It's a terrifying thing. This it's is a, an active event. <laughs> so you guys are literally walking in on it. He has traveled long and far to come here for this because yes. uh, you've wanted to. It's uh, something that you yeah. want to talk about, and I think it's something brilliant. I you know, I know we'll get into that a little bit later. So by the way, I'm pretty sure the path on the way to hell is Michigan roads. So <laughs> <laughs> that is a requirement to enter the gates. It is absolutely on a Michigan road. Why do you think us Michigan Christians are pretty tough? Because when God, Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was talking about Michigan roads. If you look that up in context, the Greek word for uh, gates is uh, mishigo. Uh, I'm done. Okay. Uh, I apologize. But uh, anyway, so with that being said, I don't want to keep us waiting around too much on just the intro. Because I know if you're like me, you like to skip past the intro to get to the good stuff. So, yep, yep. The double tap feature. Best thing YouTube ever did. Um, so... Uh, Real quick, Ethan, can, I already know you, like, embarrassingly so. There's things that I know about you I don't want to know about you, uh, and vice versa. But anyway, can you just tell everyone else who doesn't know you about who you are, uh, what's your background, 
all that nature. All right, get ready to use that uh, skip button. Uh, as Will said, my name is Ethan Young, and um, I am 27 years old. Um, for a long part of my life, uh, or my later teenage life, um, I have felt the call to the ministry. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But um, my background is, is I like to tell people that I was a drug baby. Uh, my parents drug me to church every time the doors were open, and that's only a slight exaggeration. Um, we were very, very faithful. Um, we, I actually was raised in a free will Baptist uh, church. Uh, the pastor, though, ironically, was not free will Baptist. And we ended up getting a new pastor after he retired. And that pastor actually was a free will Baptist. And when he started teaching that you could lose your salvation and was against eternal security, my dad, being the wise Christian father that he is, packed up his family and we left and ended up going to another church where I spent the rest of the majority of my childhood going to. Um, I was raised in uh, what we're referring to as an IFB home. That is Independent Fundamental Baptist. Mouthful. Um, yeah, yes, and, and uh, I could I could say that um, I do carry that title still, but very very lightly. Um, not in the way that a true IFB person probably would would. But um, I'm still I'm still fairly um, proud of my I guess denominational uh, stance, if you will. Uh, but I have been um, learning a lot of things. Will mainly being one of the huge helps. Um, but way to throw me under the bus, man. Don't blame me for this. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into, uh, some of our interactions in Bible college in a little while. I mean, uh, there has been times throughout my life because of my stance that I have thought this man was an absolute heretic and, uh, I would bad mouth him and, you know, here comes. I mean, you could say with my current hair situation, I am a heretic. <laughs> Uh, or a bleach bum. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, sorry. I could, anyway. Uh. So, uh, so is there anything else you need to know about the background? No, I, I, I'm a pretty boring kid. I was uh, raised in a... Uh, uh, I had uh, four other brothers, uh, or I had three other brothers and a sister. I was a middle child. I tell people I was the cream and the cookie. Um, you, can, you can use that if you want. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're... Um, if you are the middle child, I feel you. The whole being forgotten about thing is absolutely true. But being the cream of the cookie means also you're the more, most exciting part of the cookie. Yes, but you got to dig through the junk to get to it. Oh, man. <laughs> They're attacking the siblings already. So, so, okay. So you were raised independent fundamental Baptist, and you came from, uh, from uh, which is, by the way, that, that's a very loaded term, yes. which uh, can mean anywhere from excruciatingly legalistic, yes. very brutal, Yes. to just being, no, we're independent, we're, we're not under anything, and we're fundamentalists, and we believe in the fundamentals of the faith. Yes. Which is why I tell people all the time, I am a fundamentalist. And then they look at me, I'm like, I believe in the fundamentals of the faith, I'm not insane. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Can I be fair uh, to everyone and fair to my parents and, and just say that my parents uh, were not th uh, the extreme side like Will just described? They did their duty in the fact that they made sure that they brought um, their children to church on a regular basis and had us under preaching of the Word of God. Um, it wasn't this crazy, every night at 8 o'clock gather around children, we're going to you know, do a complete exegesis on the book of Revelation or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't that kind of an environment. Um, I, my, my parents both led by a very good example, but it was not jammed down our throat as a means of approval. 
I gained the extreme side of it on my own. Um, the power um, and the presence of a lot of the preachers that I would see come through in revival meetings and stuff that actually appealed to me. Um, <laughs> and so I took on that stance very hard on people, very down on the world and against everything aside from eating three times a day and breathing. So, <laughs> well put. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I actually did meet your parents. They're actually really nice people. Oh, so. extreme. Yeah. They're yeah, like they're, they're great. Um, I fell in love with the piano room, by the way, too, at your yes. house. So, yeah. that's still there. Uh, good. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. So, anyway, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Ethan, can you do me a favor and just tell everyone a little bit about the spiritual journey? Because uh, here's the thing not everyone ha is from the independent federal. Words. I need words. Um, IFB. Yeah, from the IFB world. Now everyone's from there. Now a lot of my circle is going to be from there because that's where I was raised. So I'm going to have a lot of people on probably with that background. I'm having another, uh, some other denominational people on here soon. But uh, from that background, uh, would you do me a favor? And when you we refer to legalistic, because that's also another loaded topic, uh, another loaded term. Would you just clarify some of the background and what types of things that you are extreme on that you have? you've held to oh boy <laughs> I, just a few for a lot of you this is going to be this is going to be so comical and uh, i do i do feel the need to give a shout out to uh will's friend drew that was on a previous video you need to go check that out drew wright is a fantastic guy i don't even think i've ever met him in person but i just love him as a brother in the lord and he did a great job at articulating some things but uh to give you an example of what legalism is um, and we'll dive into it a little bit more in the interview, but an example of this would be is silly. Okay, for example, I was just telling Will a little while ago. I know many, many people in my circle. If if there was a woman alone on the other side of a fifty foot room, and I walked in on the other side to get something out of a cabinet, I do know women that would scurry out of that room as fast as they can. Uh, because of the issue of uh, the appearance of evil. Yeah, because apparently in, you two in, are going to naturally yes, have relations because you're alone. In, in a church meeting building <laughs> full of people in the hallway. It's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> yes. um, another example of that would be like in Bible college, um, me and my girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, you know, uh, not sitting any closer than a Bible width apart. Uh, that's why the small pocket New Testaments were really popular when we went to school. I mean, even sideways, those things give you a little, nice little uh, distance. Uh, not a lot of distance. So um, okay. anyway, but uh, so that would be another example of it. Um, uh, or or uh, a male and a female uh, not riding in a car together under any circumstance, even if it's to a soul winning activity. Or... Um, being seen at a restaurant table with an unsaved person that you might even be witnessing to and they ordered a drink of alcohol. I mean, that could... Now, not everybody's like that, but there are a lot of people that can, you know, they will take a situation like that and run with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got plenty more examples, but I'll let you guide that part of the conversation. Okay. All right. <laughs> you want... Just to name a few. That's, that's a dangerous move to give me because that, these are one of my, this is like one of my uh, sand, sand, uh, of sandboxes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of it, you know, obviously uh, drums are evil, like in music. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of newer uh, music is, is forbidden entirely. Other legalistic things is women Maybe had to wear skirts. Uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing above the knee. Yep. Um, suits, uh, and even even when on the platform preaching, it is recommended but not forced that you wear a white shirt. 
solid white shirt. Actually, colorful. one college I went to, they required us to wear only certain types of colored shirts. I had a red shirt and a black shirt and stuff. I actually was not <laughs> well, allowed to. That was to. unacceptable. You like, never even told me the story, and I knew that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, so anyway, you can tell that it's a, it's a lot of un biblical yes. rules of man um, yes. that you could say that when we're referring to legalism in this interview, we're going to be referring to a strict adherence to a particular code uh, that's not even biblical. Yes, um, but don't think bad of these people. They're doing it as as an extra means to to, to please God in, in what they in, in a way that they feel is pleasing God. It. Um, the, it's hard to explain. I say a lot of times, and I'll just go ahead and. A lot of them mean very well. Yes. They don't mean to be. They don't mean to be overbearing. They don't mean to be overly critical. But what they don't realize is that them doing these things and forcing their choices on others and their own liberty on other people's liberty that actually does hurt the cause of Christ. Because it gives Christians a really dangerous, a very odd appeal. So I think that's, I think that's good. So, um, so can you tell us all a little bit about your spiritual journey? Uh, you mentioned going into full-time ministry, uh, and what got you to the point of splitting from tradition and breaking Baptist? <laughs> I love that. Too. I don't know where it comes from, but I like it. I think, I think we coined it. <laughs> um, so, uh, a little bit of that journey. Um, I'll just start back with the earliest, um, major spiritual decision that I made. Um, I was 15 years old. There was a missionary that came to our church out, a little country church out in the middle of nowhere that we were going to at the time um, in, in Ohio. Uh, literally not even not even more than 100 people in attendance regularly. This guy was a missionary from Australia. Don't even remember his name. Um, but I remember at the end of the message, he, he gave um, a, a challenge to the effect of, any of you gonna in here gonna be man enough to cross this line and give your life to God? And he draws an imaginary line. I know you're boiling inside. <laughs> he draws an imaginary line with his foot all the way across the altar of that church. And I mean, uh, 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 to a young 15-year-old boy that just wants to, you know, be categorized as doing something great. I mean, that's just in a man naturally. And then when someone challenges your manhood, will you be man enough to cross this line and give yourself to God? Let alone your loyalty to God. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I did, and that's what I interpreted as the call to preach. Now, um, I also had an interest in the time uh, for nursing, and I was actually uh, well, shortly I after, about that. Yeah, shortly after that, I, I uh, got my um, state STNA uh, license and. Um, I was showing a lot of good promise in that field at the time. It was just something I was interested in. I liked the biology class and stuff. Um, and so I kind of did that knowing I had this call to preach. And I would tell people, oh, I'm going to be a medical missionary to, to justify doing what I felt like I wanted to do and then and then God's calling on my life. <laughs> so, so weird you have to justify like, uh, yeah, like yeah. a secular any, like. <laughs> but it turns out when you're doing exactly what you know God wants you to do, you don't have to justify anything and then you'll end up on talk shows like this. So, 
<laughs> they're both equally scary. Um, but I, uh, I was working in a nursing home, and I did love the aspect of being able to be a blessing to um, nursing home residents. There's, there was a lot of people in there, um, a lot of elderly. I worked with the dementia. It was great because you can use the same jokes over and over again. Uh, sorry if I was a little dark. I, he can <laughs> that off. <laughs> but they no, we keep it. <laughs> they, 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 they always thought you were hilarious. But um, one day I was going on a house call with uh, one of my mentors. Um, he was going to show me the process of drawing blood from somebody. And uh, I hadn't had, believe it or not, in the STNA field, I hadn't had too much contact with blood. You know, I had a lady cut herself one time. Uh, while she was shaving, I told her to hold still, and she didn't. She was on blood thinners. That was a little messy, um, but uh, she was a wiry old thing. And um, but anyway, I was on a house call one time, and he was showing me how to draw blood. And I I saw the syringe go into the person's arm, and then the blood just flow into that vial, and I got sick to my stomach. And turns out being queasy of blood is actually just a pretty common thing in most human beings. Not all of them, but a lot. And I interpreted that as God getting a hold of my heart and saying, What are you doing, boy? I called you to the ministry. And so that became... <laughs> it's so funny when you, when you look at all this, but that became my... That became my story of redemption, of God calling me back when I left the call. You little rebel. How yeah. dare you try to help sick old people? <laughs> it's not what I called you to do. I called you to preach, you know? And here you are wasting your time on medical field and chasing nurse wages, you know? So um, that became that became a story I told people a lot in my life. Um, and, and please stop me if I'm going too far with this question. This I'm kind of describing the spiritual uh, journey aspect. But um, so that happened, I would say, I'm terrible with timelines. I'd say that maybe happened when I was uh, 17, 18-ish years old. Um, when, I, when we went on that house call and from then on you know I told people that you know God took away my desire for nursing completely because I got queasy at the sight of blood and that was just him that was just the Holy Spirit moving and saying you're not supposed to be here go back out and you know harvest from the field so um, anyway uh, after that point I had decided that I was going to go to Bible college hence where I met this heretic, <laughs> but I didn't know he was a heretic right away. But I actually, we got along pretty deep. good in the I line. Know. We got along. Believe, wow! Would you? I mean, who would have thunk it um, that you can have a good uh, personality-based relationship with a human being before knowing what they believe? So, <laughs> uh, what a coincidence! <laughs> uh, I, a lot of you people out there who are IFB, you understand these jabs I'm making. I mean, there's a lot of inside humor here that uh, I'm sorry if you can't get yeah. on it. Yeah, honestly, it, it is hard because it's it, okay. I, there, there is you're not e to associate with anybody, and and I'm, I'm saying this a little harshly, but you're not really supposed to 
consistently associate with anybody outside of your body of local believers. And people who believe very yep. similar or exactly the same. And that was actually a big thing for me because I, I, I had my, my mind broke probably the year before uh, and <laughs> I went to Crown and I was still surrounded by because it's all I knew. And I just remember constantly going, man, I disagree with so many things, but it's okay. So many of these people are good people. Yeah. And I couldn't find out. I like them, but they didn't like me. <laughs> so um, so I, that's more of a story we'll get into. We so. were just talking over lunch. Um, so I, I really think the way that we met is we just literally started, our personalities came through in the application line and we literally just started goofing off. And I met Will and he, I mean, whether I liked it or not, he became one of my best friends. Um, and I mean, even still to this day, there's just some relationships that will forever hold their um, trophy place on the shelf. Um, and Will is one of them. But, I mean, doggone it, we had some differences. I'll never forget the time we were going to go get sushi or something, and it was the first time I was interest, or introduced to his ideas on music. And we got in the car, and the radio turns on, and a Lady Antebellum song starts playing, you know, halfway through. It's Oddly like, enough, I'm not even a big... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a big Lady Antebellum fan. This happened to be what was there. And, and, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it was probably something along the lines of, Will, what, what the heck are you doing? We're at Bible College. Why are you listening to this? Come on, man. Turn it off. Turn on some, you know. <laughs> Where's the college choir? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> My car is making a terrible sound. Have you considered taking out the Crown College CD? Um, so... <laughs> I didn't know we were revealing where we went to school. Oh, sorry. I, everyone pretty much knows where I'm from on here. I've mentioned Crown College before. Um, no, I may have gone there, too. I don't know. It's possibly. Uh, no, and, and what's funny, because I remember you mentioning, I, I, I didn't mention, remember that until you mentioned earlier today. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I remember being like, dude, it's not even that big of a deal. It's a song about people who are hurting, and it's not it's not even an unbiblical issue. So, And I remember yeah. that was like an awkward, there was almost like an awkward thing where you're like, mm. There was. I remember the like we were, I think we were going out to get sushi that day, and I just, Sounds like I, us. I was viewing you in a whole different light and evaluating, oh, man, what friendship did I get involved in here? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you started throwing these worldviews at me, and it was just so unfamiliar territory to me. Because, uh, again, one of the things in the IFB world is uh, you don't listen to anything unless it is, you know, um, classical esque style worship. You can, and like Drew said in his interview, you can maybe throw in a banjo here and there as long as it's conservative and a guitar as long as you don't get too fancy with the finger work. So, <laughs> very true. Yeah. So, it, it was So a drum set coming on his radio. Holy cow. <laughs> I really busted into the heresy. Yeah, I split my Baptist britches there. <laughs> Well, and I think that's what, and that's where, I mean, our friendship kind of continue, continued to kind of grow uh, during that time. But at the same time, it was always one of those things where I always, I always had, I found, so you have to understand, I found it amusing. So <laughs> yeah, whenever, whenever I found somebody, because I actually honestly don't force my liberties on people. Like it's one of those things where I didn't did. think about it in the car. Like I, I don't try to force what I choose to, how I choose to live my Christian life on others. Some things just kind of happen and I'm like, <laughs> oh, sorry. And uh, you know, I try to be respectful, but it was just funny because some things would come up and you being as, 
you know, everyone can tell how subtle you are. And uh, so you just kind of boldly blah, say something, and I would boldly blah, say something back. And it was it was a really funny iron sharpening iron, uh, you getting triggered half the time by me. But it's okay. Yeah. We still yeah. love each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and, and for, the, for the simple fact that we were good friends and I already knew where I stood – uh, in my friendship with you, uh, you know, I didn't let that, for whatever reason, I didn't leave you to the dogs to die in your heresy. Yeah, well, that's, I, that's fair. And, uh, so I appreciate you not doing that. And uh, there You're was, welcome, brother. <laughs> and there was a lot of, uh, like, and, that, that, and through this time, it allowed, uh, it also showed me the fact that I could have good friendships with people who were of the IFB. Yes. Um, and that was one of the things that I struggled with at first because I was like, I don't fit in here. I didn't have any good friends at Bible College. Uh, I had my buddy Rob. Robert, he was there, got dog on it for one semester. We became very close at the end of that one semester. We're still friends today, but he lives in Florida. Yeah. You know, very different. And then, uh, and so I just kind of went on my mosey way. And then you actually introduced me to Andrew, who we have on here as well. Uh, there's a uh, thing of pitfalls of the church. Check that out. It's with Andrew. Um, you introduced me to him. You and Andrew both don't remember this. I'm the <laughs> only one that remembers this. Uh, and so, you know, I have you to pay for for that. But um, anyway, so uh, enough about our friendship and our bromance that yeah. we had here. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, more about you. So the thing is, is uh, you know, obviously there was uh, a lot of shifts and a lot of changes uh, in your life. But for the most part, you kind of stuck with it for a while, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, up really, literally up until maybe the beginning of this year is when I really my eyes started opening on some things. Yeah. So God's truth. And uh, real quick, I just feel like it is worth mentioning though, as far as our friendship. <laughs> so I did go down to Ohio a few years ago, uh, a while ago, yeah. and, um, and talked to and went to a stayed with. Uh, a friend of yours and whatnot, and but it was one of those things because you'd read some of the blog posts, and many of you guys know the blog posts are very similar to what I write, do here. And how did how did those make you feel? Oh, I, I was just madder than a wet hornet, man. I I just. <laughs> My, my MacBook screen. Holy cow! I'm surprised it's still working today. And it was funny because we stopped. We stopped talking for a while, and what's funny is I always thought it was because he was busy with his kids and all this stuff, which is true. It, it, it kind of. It mostly was. I mean, naturally, the progression of time, things fade away. But it's just like I am. I am trying to be in the ministry, doggone it, and I don't need to be tied down by you know some guy with these weird beliefs and. And, you know, he was on his blog post, a lot of his topics that he was um, presenting, I, I literally would not even read them with an open mind, like even give him a chance. That's how conditioned some of the people in this denomination can be to where, I mean, just instant knee-jerk reaction. If it is a topic that you've been told, don't entertain, you close your laptop. And I was even brave enough to try to read through and, and laugh at all the garbage. Uh, but still, there was going to be no swaying me. Um, it's, it's, as we will see here in a little bit, it was totally the gracious hand of God uh, is what it took to start to win me and over that, to truth. And that is exactly what, uh, why I wanted to mention that. Because you mentioned, you brought that in perfectly where it, we, you get so conditioned in that world. To look at everything through that particular lens, instead of letting the Bible, the Bible be the lens, we allow the what we're like the legalism or what we've been taught to be our filters. And it, and, it's a, and let's just be honest, this is a thing of pride for humans. Like we have a tendency to do this in general. We see it in politics all the time. Yeah. We see this all the time where people have a already preconceived worldview, and that's the way they view it. So I really, that's where I really appreciate it uh, here. So uh, could you mention? So can you go ahead and just jump into what? 
your little your next part. So you continued on this for a while. You said it's only been recent. Would you just go ahead and dive into that? Uh, I know you and Kelsey have been through some things. So yeah. go ahead and fire away. Yeah. So um, like I said uh, just a little bit ago, it's it's all been the the merciful grace of God looking on a self righteous pious guy like me. Uh, even though. Um, I tried not to outwardly show that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And uh, the Bible says who can know it for a reason because you yourself can't even know your heart. And um, and I'm I'm such a basic guy. I just like simplicity. Um, I would rather I would just prefer to stay on one side of things. It's just easiest that way. I would like to hold one stance on things. It's just easiest that way. And that's how I carried my um, religious experience for the longest time. Um, and I've asked God to direct this interview before we even turn the cameras on um, so that I'm not a stumbling block to anybody. Um, my love for the brethren and for where I came from has actually increased. Um, a typical uh, bad worldly reaction to this would be um, to go back and resent everybody that's ever trained you or influenced you. Um, there's there's been some people that ha, uh, were a major influence in my life for the Lord that are, you know, now on the bad side of the law. Uh, it, but I don't resent any of them. I, I, I love them for the simple reason that Christ tells me to and that I should, um, it should just automatically be inside of me because I am a believer. And, and so, uh, again, I just need to reiterate that I am not, I'm not angry or upset at anyone if there was anyone I was upset at, it was him all the time. I'd just pick up a blog post every couple months and slam it again. And But you know what? When God starts making these changes in my life, the first person I call is him because he's the only other one in my life that can relate to what's going on. So I, I would like to say that I'm a notch in Will's gun, but I'm actually not. Like God, God was doing all this behind the scenes, and then I knew where to come to. And now I'm on this show with all these lights and cameras in my face. Um, but let, let's, uh, I, I digress. Um, let's, uh, like what you mentioned, get to where I started to look around and say, hmm, just hmm, you know. <laughs> um, I cannot get into too many details on this because a lot of people that are going to see this video um, are, are, are still in my life and are still in the life I used to have in other cities as well. Um, but I can, I can honestly tell you that I have seen people die in the name of their beliefs that are not biblical. And um, my wife and I, we were one of one of the ministries we took part in uh, in the past we were absolutely run into the ground with no mercy we loved what we did but we could never ever get a break and and we were deceived at the time to think that teaching and truth and, and uh, or truth could only be received under a preacher <laughs> <laughs> and I love how you laugh at the silliness know, of your mentality. <laughs> but really, the only way to receive true spiritual revelation was under the influence of a pulpit. But a Christian couldn't experience that in his own living room with a Bible on his lap. Sarcastic. Um, <laughs> but um, I, we were getting run into the ground. Um, 
and it was unintentionally, and I don't think anybody had any maliciousness behind that, but my wife and I associated service with godliness and righteousness, um, uh, ser- which, uh, you know, serving and being encouragement to a local church is good, but that, I mean, that was our standard of righteousness. The amount of church services you attended, if you were there every time the doors were open, that is subconsciously conveyed that you are a superior Christian than those who may just come on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night only. None of this stuff is ever said directly from a pulpit. It is all very back door. Um, well, like you said, conditioned. Yes. It's kind of yeah. conditioned So, so for, uh, for example, let's just say uh, a Thanksgiving Eve service or a Christmas Eve service. Maybe the pastor of a church, especially in the IFB world, or maybe somewhere else will say, hey, I appreciate all you faithful ones being here tonight. Oh, so the ones that aren't here aren't as faithful. Hmm. But in reality, they're wanting to enjoy their families on a holiday. Maybe they're being faithful. Yeah, maybe they're being faithful to their family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which was the first ministry that was ordained. And um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and, and you know, that's another thing I kind of I kind of wanted to bring up. I don't want to stray too far away. But when I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Is it a collective body of believers, or is it a building with a steeple on it? Why do we say, I'm going to church? Is that the right term? I don't know what the right terminology is. but I, I have a shirt that says, I'm not, I don't go to church. And on the back of it says, I am the church. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so, so maybe you could say our, our, our local assembly area, whatever. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I'll get back to so the, the things I was seeing. Um, we were being run into the ground ministry-wise. Uh, it was not on purpose by the leadership. Um, we never got a break. We were getting burnout. We were never sitting under the preaching because we were busy in almost every service. Um, it turned out that all Wednesday nights were the only time we got to hear any kind of preaching, and, and, and we thought that spiritual revelation could only come from under a pulpit and, and not a Bible. And it's not like you're ever told that, but that's just it's what you're subconsciously led to believe. Emotion is the language of the universe. Um, so uh, I, was, I was starting to get burnt out and then get really tired, and... Um, I was, you know, I was preaching every Sunday in a ministry, and I love teaching. Uh, we actually worked with kids um, for uh, about four years almost, and uh, we really, really enjoyed it. But um, it was totally being done in my own power, if I'm completely honest. I'm, I want to be transparent to some people because maybe you're going through the same thing. I would sit under preaching, and I would also be preaching things myself that I knew nothing about. Um, as far as on a level where I was actually experiencing them for myself. Like I could, I could be talking about victory in Jesus Christ and know that inside my heart was an absolute war zone and I was never experiencing victory. I just learned to emulate what I saw my whole life. I learned to emulate the, the men that I decided to idolize. And a couple of those guys are nowhere near today the stances they took back then, which tells me that if you're 
if your um, belief system is all personal and not doctrinal, doctrinal or biblical, it is subject to change. And people are going to look back. I mean, we've got we've got accurate recording data now where people can look at me, some of the very first messages that I preached when I was 15, and look at what an absolute fool I made of myself <laughs> in some of the things that I said. <laughs> right there um, with you, buddy. But... but um, people remember that. I mean, some of the preachers that I used to look up to that age have have completely slid from the standards and stances that they had set for themselves very um, surely back in that day. And they might not think that I remember, but or anyone remembers, but I do. And and so that was another thing that made me go, hmm. If God's power. If if what they're preaching is true, then they should still be holding to the same standards today. Um, breathing and eating three times a day. Um, I have actually heard a preacher say that. That's where I got that from. It's not original. Um, he said, everything outside of breathing and eating three times a day, I'm against. So, and now that man, um, as far as I know, is uh, involved in a church that he said he would never be a part of. Now, am I saying where he's at right now is wrong? No, but he set a standard for himself that was not biblical. Um, because there's a lot more things you can do outside of eating three times a day and breathing. Um, so, okay, so that was another thing that made me go, hmm, and, and just kind of start to think. Um, my wife and I now are involved in a beautiful local assembly of believers, the church, and, um, and with people we are surrounded by that we love. Um, and that this this is going to bring us in the next hmm is where it starts to get a little more uh, sensitive. I have gotten full permission um, from my wife to talk about these things, but uh, we've been married now for um, five years, coming on six, and um, we got married um, in March of 2014. Shortly after, uh, well, I don't remember how far after Bible college it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't like we waited a long, long time. Um, but back in the, the, they always say the first year of marriage is really rough. Now there's some very unique and strange people like Will, who everything goes perfectly with their spouse. Um, I'm very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I married a saint. Yes. <laughs> and I all too. Love you, honey. <laughs> and also, we had a lot of external difficulties that made us forced to be yes. on each other's side. Yeah. So, so you, you got a lot of that working for him. But um, no, uh, all joking aside, um, in, during that time where we were getting run into the ground, our focus was, they, they would never come out and say this, but the... The church a lot of times says they are for the family, but would never admit out loud that they kind of aren't. Um, and we had we had our first child in the midst of us being run into the ground, and there was not a lot of consideration for that huge life change event. Um, we were kind of still expected to uphold our normal duties with a newborn. And there was times when we would be showing up to our local church assembly place. I'll just say church. You guys know what I mean. There would be times when we'd show up to our church and I'd be sitting on the front row all by myself while my wife is in the foyer with a newborn nursing it. And 
the church was not high tech. It's not like they had a PEA system or a screen out in the lobby. And my exhausted wife of being up throughout all hours of the night with a newborn was doing everything she could just to stay alive walking around a church foyer because it was just subconsciously low-key expected that you were to be there to be considered faithful and to be a good Christian. And um, I just, I, I mean, I still feel for her. So she was literally coming to church to be seen. And uh, it kind of makes me think of how Jesus talked about the Pharisees. They make broad their phylacteries to be seen of men. And um, that was another thing that made me go, hmm. And when you dedicate all your time to the ministry and, and you think that's the way you're pleasing God is by, is by showing up and fulfilling out all these duties. By doing yeah, things. Yeah, by doing by doing there's there's two key words there's do and there's done <laughs> the 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 old testament was do <laughs> the we're we're in done right now and that's what's so exciting that's another thing i've been discovering with all this but um <clears throat> that was our marriage at home was suffering um i'll just say it that way uh that's or i'll just put it bluntly like that um get that out there our marriage was suffering and neither one of us knew why. It's not like we were both being terrible to each other on purpose. It's just that we were never given any kind of training on what marriage is or what it's supposed to look like outside of your typical sermons that you hear from an evangelist coming through or your pastor. And... I'm not putting all pastors in this category, but and I was just talking with you about this a little while ago. Not all pastors are qualified to be marriage counselors, and a lot of them have the best of intentions, but people with good intentions end up in hell. <laughs> you know, people with good intentions end up in, in, very, in very terrible places. So um, I remember one time, privately, I was just struggling uh, in our marriage and 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 both of us my wife and I were both literally trying to do all that we could to make our marriage work but we would just end up frustrated and fighting every time because we were both speaking in different languages um, when when you hear the term communication is key I mean that is oh so true but just because I'm talking to you will doesn't mean I'm communicating emotions speak really loudly if i am nasty and hating you inside right now just just like you said a little while ago our conversations in the car i was very pleasant and uh gracious but inside you knew i was boiling and so <laughs> great <of> emotion <laughs> and, and we weren't vibing as the kids yeah, say yeah he wasn't vibing <laughs> so, and i knew he in his heart was watching a little rat in a cage just get really ticked off and kicking up his you know to um, be fair it was a lot of fun to poke the rat in the cage yeah yeah absolutely i and i knew he was feeling that inside but um so the next moment for me was uh one day, I'm just, um, ha you know, had a had a pretty sizable argument. Um, I don't like to use the word fight because I, you know, I just, I'm too prideful. <laughs> so, <laughs> we were having an argument, and um, one time I remember just, 
I, I think I had texted my pastor and said, I think my wife was at her parents' house at the time. Um, because she didn't want me to be around me, and rightly so. <laughs> uh, I was terrible. Um, I go to the, I go to the um, pastor at the time, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling in my marriage. We've tried to make it work for so long, and you know, can you give me some biblical sound advice?" And there was a few helpful things said. I don't want to discredit the man, but what it came down to was pray harder and have more faith. And because that changes, that changes yeah, behavior real yeah, well. God is the glue. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's pretty much saying, oh, forget about free will on the person, <laughs> on the individual. Yeah, uh, the, God will just force them to change <laughs> or force you to change. Yeah. And I don't want to discredit, like, prayer yeah. is important, right? Faith is important. Yes, absolutely. But those, but faith and prayer are more do, like, the faith, especially the prayer is a do, the faith is a belief. Yeah. How I, I need to turn this into something practical mm-hmm. to be able to execute in, mm-hmm. into my marriage so that way my marriage stops crumbling before me yeah I need practical sound advice man yeah so what do I do um, I pray more man I pray more and and while I'm praying I'm thinking about all these fantastic messages I've heard in the past on prayer and getting a hold of God and and as if God's Santa Claus uh, yeah or or if I need to do anything special to get God's attention <laughs> Ooh, transactional even, <laughs> yeah. even worse uh, yes it, uh, um, it's a conditional relationship <laughs> and uh, if I'm not in a good standing with the Lord then you know he won't hear me and that's kind of an Old Testament concept am I am I wrong I mean yeah I mean yeah you, you don't you yeah, want to be harboring uh, unconfessed blatant sin in your life and expect God to bless you but um, it's a, it is a very transactional view. It is God, if I do X, Y, and Z, you will do X, Y, and Z for me. Yes. And uh, that's not always how yes. prayer has worked, never has yes. worked uh, and, and, at all. And as Drew described in the other view, I love, I love, love, love this term, performance-based Christianity. Uh, I tell you, ever since he said it, I was like, uh, that's mine, uh, stolen. If, if I do this, then then I can get back into this standing with God. Oh, I missed a church service. I have to attend this many more services to be back on a on a good note with, with the Lord. And did you ever feel like when you weren't there, maybe on a Wednesday or whatever, you'd have to come on Sunday with an excuse as to why? Because you knew you were going to be asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had that happen many times. I was like, oh, well, I, I, I was sick. <laughs> it's still happening. <laughs> I don't have the guts yet to say I was spending time with my family. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there, trust me. So the uh, I prayed more, and it was not working. Um, the The relationship continued to crumble, and um, at the time, a family member had been going to see a counselor, a licensed counselor, uh, a Christian licensed counselor, and um, they were just talking about how it worked, how he worked wonders for them, and 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 helped them um, greatly. And so, you know, this in and of itself is kind of a huge no-no. We don't trust anybody with any kind of scriptural or, or spiritual or relational advice outside of the confines of our four walls. Um, no one, everyone else is, everyone else is wrong. You guys are right. Don't yes. go to the wrong people. Yes. So, and, and, and surprisingly, I, I presented the idea to my wife, and she was like, no, I want to go to pastor. Um, and she never knew about these secret meetings with the other pastor where I was trying to go to help because I didn't want, I was too prideful to let 
her know that I was letting other people know that we were having problems because we were we were um, we were told all the time at least that we were very prominent members in in that church. We were pillars. Is the <laughs> <laughs> so they can't know you're suffering. Yes, can't bear one another's burdens. Yeah, you have to you have to walk in with a smile, and um, you know nothing's ever allowed to be wrong. And how unfair is that to? all the other common folk. <laughs> well, also, like, I just think of, uh, not to steal your thunder at all, but, no. like, the thing is, is, like, the Bible does tell us to bear one another's burdens. So we have this false idea that I need to be as strong and as tough as possible. No one can know that I have a chink in my armor at all. I can't be real. Um, there's a great book called True Faced, talking about being a genuine person, living in the room of grace and not in the room of good intentions. Mm. <laughs> And, uh, and I think that's, that's very genuine. A lot of us, a lot of Christians live in the room of good intentions and we don't live in the room of grace. And we need to remember, how can I bear your burdens if I don't even know you have a burden? Can, I mean, can you imagine one of the staff of where we attended school coming up to one of us and saying, hey, brother, I'm, I'm struggling with this? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> because we have, to, we have to give this facade that, you know, um, that Christ, what we Christian families are perfect. Yeah. And that's not always true. Yeah. So if you're out there, if you're a struggling man or woman right now in an environment or situation like this, listen, God knows. God knows what you're struggling with right now. God knows what you're going through right now. And, and you may be in a position where you are not allowed to share that. Listen, there are, there are brothers and sisters out there that are of a like mind that can help you. Um, but anyway, I, I told my wife, I presented the idea of seeing a counselor outside of a church, a local church body. And uh, he's, he's actually an Anglican priest. I, I honestly don't even know what that means, but I wasn't, there to, I wasn't there to get scriptural advice from him. I was there to get marriage and relational advice. So um, I'll let him be an expert in his field. Um, we get to know our counselor a little bit. Turns out he was raised in the IFB um, movement for about 20 years. Uh, or his dad was a, a pastor and everything like that. And um, But before we get to that point, my wife said, no, no, we're not. I want to see the pastor. You know, uh, we got to get a pastor's marriage advice. And I'm just thinking to myself, this has not worked for me the last, you know, two or three times I've gone. I've been Googling this thing. I'm, you know, and I said, okay, okay. I'll make you a deal. If we can go to this counselor um, that my sister is telling me about behind the scenes, um, if we can go to this counselor, then if it doesn't work out, if you don't like him, then we'll go to pastor so-and-so or brother so-and-so. And she's like, okay, fine. So we walk in to our first appointment. I'm already nervous. I, I feel I feel like I'm walking into a bar <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it is somebody outside the confines of our denomination and um so we go in there and i remember looking over and seeing he takes us out to his counseling area and i saw a pipe and a jar of tobacco and i thought oh this guy smokes i can't listen to anything he says he smokes <laughs> but again that's the that's the ifb coming through and um so it turns out um we we started seeing this counselor and um, our marriage gradually started improving. And when you have the, uh, God is the creator of the union between a man and a woman. Like he ordained that and instituted that for a reason to show us 
the spiritual relationship we have with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, marriage is a model of that with a wife and children and, uh, um, and a husband. So that obviously led to some spiritual discussions and found out, we found out that a lot of our marriage problems were stemming from the system of beliefs that we carry. Plain and simple. And there are people that we know and love that are watching this video right now but when we recognized that, or when he helped us recognize that, and things started drastically improving, uh, we started actually discovering God in an entirely different way. And this time, it was real. Um, there's a scripture that said, or that says, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I always preached messages about it, and I thought I knew what that meant, and I knew all the right things to say about that. But you'll know when you've actually experienced that. It is drastic. You will know when you start to experience personal secret victory in your life. Things that you've struggled internally with that you could never tell a soul. You could, I could never go up to anybody I knew and say, hey... I just got to be honest, I have no idea what you guys are preaching about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't even believe I'm admitting that on camera, but I mean, I just, now my whole goal is to be a blessing and tell people that there is hope and Jesus is real and, and, and Jesus can give you what the Bible talks about, joy overflowing, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Um, and I think that's... Your cup well, runneth over. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is uh, with some of these good intentions that we're talking about. When you really get to it, it's, it's because it's a performance-based system. And the problem is that oftentimes marriage is put a little too simply by some preachers. You know, it's simply man is the leader, woman submits. <laughs> she, she's the help meet. Hmm. Have fun helping. You have fun submitting and I get to lead. Oh, boy. And it's a real problem because it says, well, we, they always skip over the fact where it says submit to each other. Yep. Like I'm yep. supposed, we're supposed to submit My to one another. My body belongs to her, and hers belongs to me. Yep. And we are submit submit to one another. We're supposed to love one another. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of that, and so this. So basically, you started seeing this Anglican priest who smokes, and uh, <laughs> he started, and which is funny because, and for those of you guys who don't realize, the IFP has a real hard, really struggles with. Uh, they associate one thing they don't like, and then they say that whole person's everything is bad, which yeah. is what encourages people to not be real because if they know one chink in your armor they can't take the rest of you seriously. Yep, absolutely. Uh, which is a real problem. Yeah. Because it makes it so, well, none of us, all of us have a chink in the armor. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care how perfect you think you are, how spiritual you are, we all got a problem. I got four chinks in my armor. Uh, I, that's it? Oh, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, Maybe five. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it, it really creates a, a sense of unvulnerability, and relationships are built through vulnerability. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things where, I, so through this, you and, from what I was saying, you and Kelsey, grew closer but it was funny the more uh, uh, a lot of the 
if we can say baggage and the weight of the things that you've been taught was you realize what well, was holding you back. So you sort of kind of almost having to like un unhook and unchain yourself from some of these things and live in the and live in, learn to live in grace and not under the law. And we're not even talking about the law of God this way because we're not talking about the this isn't even Israel's law. We're talking like the law of man. Yes. The law yes. of people. Yes. So then you I know this kind of made you start having to stem out and kind of take new steps. And this is where it kind of where you're at now where you're like you're like looking back behind the veil and going, yeah. oh, there's a whole new world back yeah. here. I'm like Alice entering Wonderland. Like, what the heck is going on? I didn't know there was so many colors out here. <laughs> Maybe there's more. There's black and white. There's 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 all these fun things I can I get to do that I used to frown upon. Uh, so I kind of like that Lady Antebellum song now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you into better music. Uh, <laughs> Fun fact for you, I'm kind of a metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm clear. I'm, I'm emerging. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm emerging. You're going too fast. Um, so what were can, can you? I'm not, and it's be as um, you can be as forthcoming or reserved as you'd like. Okay. But what were some of the major breaking points that started to fold that got you to really realize you were looking at things in far too narrow view? So we got the hmm moments. Yeah. But what were the individual things that were like that broke and okay. that definitely did not hold up? And what is there some things that you can think of specifically? Maybe obviously the way you're approaching your marriage, any practical, uh, whatever. Just yeah. what were things that just like snapped? Okay. So tell me if I'm not answering your question correctly. But the first thing. Um, one of the very first things we learned in our marriage counseling is that everything is a system and every system has a head and every system or a lot of systems have a wannabe head which creates chaos and so um, we were taught that the the person who creates chaos is normally the head of the system so I might have I might have screwed that up a little bit there but Everything is in systems, okay? Um, the IFB movement is a system. My family is a system, and I am supposed to be the head of that and not in a, not in a um, downplay, um, power-hungry, tyrannical dictator kind of way. I'm just God appoints leadership. Mm -hmm. so, um, and so the other thing we learned is that systems conflict, and we were taught... Uh, that the local assembly of believers and sitting under pastor is supposed to be what is called an adjunct to the family. It's supposed to complement. Mm -hmm. It is not supposed to take place above, and it is not supposed to necessarily dictate how the family system operates. That's supposed to be the scripture and, and, and the Holy Spirit. And, um, and pastors are there to watch over our souls. You're a pastor, and I, I never want to insult you or anything like that. Um, so, Well, I'm insulting. <laughs> pastors play a very important role. Um, but the problem is often, I don't know how it is with other churches. I can only imagine it is. But often systems conflict. And in our case, that was what was happening. And um, our, our counselor help, helped us to see that... Um, being there for every single event and, and service and, and, and throwing away everything else that you and your family can partake in together to grow um, spiritually and relationally, um, the, you know, the church, can, the church can kind of 
infringe or uh, is infringe a word and they can kind of yeah they can kind of infringe upon that so um, I started asking myself the question okay the the famous verse that's always used is forsake not the assembling of yourselves uh, you know Hebrews 10 25 yeah Hebrews 10 I'm terrible with references typically I am too yeah so so but what does that mean exactly because Right now, my whole life, I've been telling that to be considered faithful, I'm there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Saturday morning, soul winning, Tuesday night Bible study. I mean, literally, if you give yourself to everything, every program that the church uh, institutes, you could have your whole week booked up. Um, and I, and as a pastor, I, you know, I, or with you being a pastor, I hope I'm not hitting you with like curveballs or anything like that, but. What I'm saying is it, it, the the church will give you a lot of reasons uh, to, um, or they're able to provide you with a lot of reasons to uh, pull away from the, the family which God has ordained. So if I miss a Wednesday night, does that mean I'm forsaking? And I started thinking about that. I remember you even called me. You're like, Will, what do I do? <laughs> And Am I making I sense? Up, Am I crazy? Then I looked up the word forsake in a Webster's 1828 dictionary, a tool that is often encouraged we use in this circle. And it, it gave the connotation of to completely and utterly and permanently put off. Yeah. And if I miss a Wednesday night service, am I forsaking? And I thought, okay, I don't think I am. <laughs> and... And um, actually, one of the days, the, the, one of the only days we were able to meet with our counselor because we were driving such a long distance was on Wednesday nights. And we were always absolutely just frazzled trying to make it back to where we lived. Especially with two young ones. Yes, two little babies that have been in a car for, you know, over four hours. And we were stressed out with trying to make it back in time. We felt so guilty because we weren't making it back in time. And then one, one day that came up to the counselor and he said, what do you think God wants more? Um, for you to rush back to where you live to be at your church tonight or to spend time with your family over dinner? And Don't you hate when they ask like, such simple <laughs> questions? And you're like, oh... <laughs> Oh, I'm just an idiot, I guess. <laughs> and I, w- I knew what the answer was, and I did not want to answer it. And you asked me what one of the breaking points were, and that was one of my breaking points. Is God does not want me to sacrifice the time with the individuals I am supposed to be training and investing in to love Him than to drive back to make it f- back for a 15-minute sermon and a time of prayer with you know a church body. Now, I I don't want to downplay the church body in any of this. Yeah, no. We 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 are commanded to fellowship as believers. That is what we are doing right now. Um, I'm with like-minded individuals, and we are meeting in the name of the Lord. Two or three are gathered. Um, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I don't ever want to give an idea that meeting together with believers is a bad thing. But maybe just not as regimented as yes. you were previously yes. taught. Yes. And I think that was one of the things, I, I, that's one of the things that I even had with, we had some people who had, a, who had just had, who had a child and who ran our children's ministry. And I was like, guys, don't feel like you got to come to work right away. I mean, come back to church right away on this. We can take care of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we will cover the bases. We're a very tiny church, but doggone it, we're going to, you know, we, and I would tell people all the time, hey, like, 
one of my other deacons in the church even, he uh, he like, hey, you know, my wife isn't feeling well. I'm like, stay home, take care of your wife. Don't, <laughs> like, y- the church isn't going anywhere. This is a rare pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, may, I, uh, maybe if in the circles you've primarily been, because a lot of my pastor friends are that way, but also mm-hmm. I've kind of, I'm, uh, I'm over this other side of, group, of a group where we don't hold to such strong legalistic views of things anymore, uh, this performance-based system. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, and I think that, so that was one of the straws that broke. Uh, and that, I think that's a big thing for you in general with this yeah. whole thing. It was just, your marriage was really it was, kind it was, of the, my my wife and I, if we weren't so doggone poor and couldn't, you know, and the reason we didn't get divorced is probably because we couldn't afford it. Quite honestly, because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's very expensive, and I think that's the thing. So you know, your marriage, I think, is one of your biggest points. And now, yeah. so. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the IFB. We talked a lot about some of this performance-based system, um, and I think you and I mentioned the fact that uh, enough on here that one of the big hardest things for you was the fact of the lack of being able to be genuine. Um, this is why some people call uh, the IFB the IFBC. They add a C, which is cult. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, Independent Fundamental Baptist cult. Wasn't aware. So. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> some people that would go that far. Um, I think it depends. I think there are some cult elements in certain areas. I, I feel like that is too. It's too harsh of a term to use so broadly, yeah. um, depending <laughs> on where you go. Because I know the church I grew up in was more of a mild IFB, and then I went to colleges, and I'm like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> um, like, I, mean, I, I even thought it was low key crazy, but I was all on board. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is kind of nuts, but of you're right. Separation from the world, and I'm like, that's not what that means. <laughs> um, and uh, so. Um, all these different things were kind of breaking, and then you almost had to. So you could describe it as all, your your marriage basically was falling apart. You're fi- trying to follow the IFB way, and it was actually destroying your marriage and my family. Yes, and my kids were. I mean, my daughter's only two years old, and she was totally distancing herself from me. Yeah, and that makes sense. And because uh, when and when you only have a part of a truth, and you're not using the whole truth, it. it it's nasty. So um, then you basically went through this time period where, which is, this is very recent, where you basically was like, all right, clean slate, wiped off, of, I'm erasing the board, I'm reapproaching spiritual spirituality and God with a new light. And can you just tell me about, for because the, there's a lot of people who are probably on the edge or who have gone through this, <laughs> what, what, like, what was that like and, and what things did you end up kind of dabbling in if you want to talk about that or whatever. It's like, what was that like? Because yeah. I, I know it's crazy when you first start jumping out into that world. So there, um, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get into what um, uh, the Lord leads uh, because I am now uh, being spirit-led, whereas before I, I really don't think I was. Um, but yes, Will, you're exactly right. Right now, my approach is... Um, uh, I have I have wiped the slate clean. I do believe that the Bible, the Scripture, is the Word of God. Okay, so Amen. I have my source of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, one thing that inadvertently happened it wasn't really it wasn't really the counselor purposely teaching that, but I discovered that there is now another viewpoint, <laughs> and it is. The most accurate word I can think of is lenses. Um, it is how are you looking? What lens are you looking at the scripture with? And mine was very much critical. Um, 
I was looking at it with a critical lens. I was taught that scripture is mainly negative, which that could be true to some point. There's a lot of no's and stuff like that. Um, but I was looking at it uh, from a Pharisaic lens. Um, after analyzing myself, I realized I was looking over what Jesus said about the Pharisees. And if I was completely, completely, truly honest within myself, I had to come to the realization that, Ethan Young, you are a Pharisee. Uh, because Pharisees look good, they talk good, and they act good. And if there was one thing I was good at doing was putting on an act, even at Crown, there was a dark side of Ethan that would be all alone on his dorm bed, you know, at night. And you couldn't even do really anything bad there because you weren't allowed to hang a sheet over your bed. So they called it a sin blanket. <laughs> I forgot about the sin blanket. <laughs> so I mean, you couldn't even get away with too much because you got, you know, a room full of eight sweaty guys that are all, you know, watching each other or whatever. And um, so you couldn't get away with much, but... Um, well, have you know, I got away with a, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were probably pretty good at it, but the the a lot of times it's not necessarily what's outwardly manifested. Um, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. So, uh, <laughs> so you were asking some of the things that you be as open as you want. I'm not yeah. push, pushing you on anything. So I started getting some new. I, I started getting um, scales pulled away from my eyes. Okay, if if this is happening, what else is happening? If this deceived me, what else am I being deceived by? And I called up Will, and of course, I'm starting up my YouTube channel and everything, Clean Cut Comedy. I only have a few videos on there so far, but on YouTube and on Facebook, I'm friends with Will, and I start seeing his channel, The Church Split, which we're on right now. And I saw him going through some topics, and I'm not gonna lie, they were upsetting me. But Will <laughs> took a very um, professional approach, and a humble approach, too. Um, whereas, from my side of things, you know, uh, I gotta admit, I was mean a lot. Because I had the truth dog on it, and because I have the truth, I don't need to worry about anything. But a lot of times forgetting that Christ commanded us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Um, you know, part of wisdom is knowing how many bullets to fire and how many jabs to take. <laughs> and, and boy, mine was fully automatic, baby. <laughs> so, um, anyway, but Will started putting out uh, videos on different topics that um, were very much taboo. And um, I was very much settled on. Um, Are you kidding me? The topic of alcohol is not taboo in the IFB world. <laughs> sarcasm <laughs> heavy heavy on the sarcasm but um <laughs> will was given his testimony in that video and then brings up how it was how most of the commands in the scripture are referring to drunkenness <laughs> and um and wow i'm still I'm still recovering from that. Um, I, I, I was shook. Yeah, I, I was shook. <laughs> yes, that is true. Keep in mind, 
the, my stance on that came from me trying to prove a guy wrong, and I ended up adopting his stance. So that is kind of what happened to me. He's making this video, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm flipping through my Bible to try to find something to post in the comment section. You know, duck on, I'm going to show this guy. And I'm watching the video. I'm like, my magazine's empty. I got nothing. He used scripture, and he took a systematic approach to it. And, you know, the subject of alcohol. And it's it's about drunkenness, um, the sin of drunkenness. And then, you know, someone might say, well, what about, you know, look not on the wine uh, when it turneth itself aright, and it's when, when it's red in the, or red, red in the cup. And... King Solomon was, I mean, you look at that video. Will does a great job on it, but he's, you know, pretty much referencing somebody who already struggles with that. Two verses beforehand. Yeah. It says it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. He's, he's talking to a targeted audience. Um, but, yeah, uh, alcohol uh, was was one of the things I thought, oh, man. Was yeah. Fritz and Pants an issue with you guys? I wasn't sure if that was ever an issue. That actually came, that actually came before all this. Um, I heard a preacher uh, in the IFB world, uh, say he made the statement one time. He said, "You realize that a 1950s swimsuit is more modest than what some of you ladies are wearing here tonight." And I was like, "Oh boy, wait, our standards subjective?" <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> he said, "He said some of you Mormon girls wear skirts that are long enough, but man, a gnat could fly through without busting a wing." And I thought, "Oh boy, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was really just tearing apart. He was he was tearing apart motive and you know the heart of man. And he was going into what scripture uh, you know said about God requires modesty. So what does the situation dictate? If I'm going to go out and play a tennis match or ride a bike. Is a skirt really the most appropriate thing? Probably for not. Those activities, yeah. I actually distinctly remember at Fairhaven they they talked they preached against the girls wearing britches all the yeah, time. Witches wear britches, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I just remember being I was always so annoyed by that. And uh, there was two of my really good lady friends that were walking in front of me. One of them was actually going to be on for an interview, by the way. Okay. Um, and a lady in this room? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, what? A lady in the same room as you? Well, we were walking. It was outside. Oh, okay. So cool. okay. everyone can see. Um, <laughs> and we're walking to class. There's other people around. And she was walking in front of me, and it was in Indiana, and it was super cold, and it, there was ice. And she slipped, and she fell, and she was wearing a skirt. And I saw more about my friend there that day than I ever wanted to. <laughs> and I just remember distinctly that was the moment where I was like, skirts aren't always the best move, yeah. guys. Um, and, of course, because you know, they can only move and they're shuffling around on the ice. And I was like, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> um, I kind of thought it was stupid beforehand, but then I was really I'm like, this is really stupid and mildly dangerous. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so uh, we had a similar situation. You asked about the skirts. So what kind of changed our opinion on that? And to look at that biblically is my wife and I got a job, or my, my wife and I, my wife got a job at a local um, uh, clothing retailer, which required her to be on a stepladder. And at that time, my wife and I were very much of the opinion that women need to wear skirts, and skirts are modest. And she was climbing up stepladders in the middle of a store. And, you know, she was at um, elevations higher than the rest of the people in the store. But... Bless God, wearing a skirt's the most modest thing. But 
I, you know, I heard this preacher talking about it, and I was like, oh man, you know, that's that is immodest when she does that, and uh, and that was when my wife and I, I mean, I think I think we, we drove home in the car feeling so bad the first like the first time we bought her first pair of pants <laughs> like that were to be meant to be worn out in public uh, it, it was scary like, what a we felt weird so world bad. what a weird world <laughs> you would have thought we had you know like a body in the trunk but no it was a it was a pair of pants <laughs> and, and um but the, i know from the outside this sounds ridiculous but it, just it, understand when you're raised in it it makes sense when you're raised in it i hope this it makes for at least some good entertainment for you people but then i've got a really cool um contrast to that fast forward to just maybe a month ago i'm out to lunch with one of my family members my family members are very good friends with people in the amish and mennonite community uh we're very close family friends and my and this family member we were eating lunch with she said she just had to run to the store really fast she had to go to a fabric store to pick up something and she said that um she just didn't feel like getting ready, didn't have time. She threw on a pair of sweatpants, which is very unlike this individual. Um, she's always in a long skirt. But just for sake of time, she ran the store and happened to run into one of our Mennonite Amish friends. And if you know anything about the way that they dress, it is, I mean, dress to the floor, see no more bonnet on top you know don't show your crop so um i just made that up <laughs> um, so um they <laughs> i'm getting more entertainment about watching our producer back here um an awesome guy so um this family member runs into one of those friends in the store and she was telling us at lunch on a sunday afternoon how much she knows she greatly offended that 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 Mennonite individual and I said why did you offend her and she said because I was wearing something that was immodest in their eyes and then my wife she is so intelligent and she is so insightful and she's gonna be watching this video but I will never forget what my wife said she said there are other religions that see what those Mennonites are wearing as immodest there are some people that are covering up everything but that. And I was like, oh my goodness. And in that moment at that lunch table, when my wife said that, everything became so clear is that everybody will always have a standard of what they think is right. But unless it matches up with scripture, it does not matter. And it is nothing but preference. Like, like almost like preferences can go, and you have your own individual liberty to operate within God's word. And I think that was one of those big things for me, as I really truly, which is funny because individual soul liberty is actually one of the Baptist Baptist distinctives. If you uh, go, sure not preached. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> and it's really funny because when you go through, it's like you know, B is this, A is this, and once you get to I, I is individual soul liberty. And I always say that since like Baptists, they they're like, we believe in individual soul liberty, but we prefer you don't use it. Um, so <laughs> or, or that we are actually priests of God. We are, you know, uh, we are in the priesthood and, you know, they, but, you know, a lot of them don't think that you can make your own spiritual decisions. Exactly. Uh, or be led individually. So 
With all that being said, I mean, the, you've had quite the journey, and I know you're still you're still gun shy on certain things, and it's, it is really funny because you you'll you know, and I think that's really good because that's one of the things with you is that you've always taken the word of God seriously, yes, and you want to make sure you believe the right thing. So yes, as, I'm still approaching this with much caution. As as dogmatic as you were back then, <laughs> you were dogmatic out of, from a good heart because you were like, I want to do the right thing before God, and I know that that here you are, you're releasing legalism behind you, you're embracing. Bit the straight biblicism, yeah. and but at the same time, you want to respect other people's liberty while having your own. And I think that's really awesome that you're in the and that's such a great spiritual, like almost it's om, almost like a drug at that point, almost because you're like, <gasps> yeah, that's what it is to have grace. <laughs> oh, I've been missing it this whole time. Uh, I mean, just uh, just just knowing how God views me now. And and that's the thing. It's all it's all so subtle and sinister and deceptive. Nobody was ever telling me any of this stuff. It's just conveyed. Um, the standard is conveyed most of the time, or it's assumed. I've always been told that God loves me, but to break away from Phariseeism and step into God's grace and now know that it is not based on what I or my performance that gains me favor. I literally have all the favor I'm ever going to get from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason is, is because when he looks down on me, he no longer sees Ethan Young. He actually does see his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Ethan Young's been out of the picture since he was 13 years old and trusted Christ as his Savior. And somehow we still think that God is looking at us. It's really funny how we think that it's like, oh, God, the more I do, the more God will be pleased with me, even though God totally knows exactly what you are. Yeah, um, he said it is finished for a reason. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like, okay, you know I still love you, even though, yeah. I mean, you're an idiot, don't get me wrong, my child, but I still love you. Uh, so what would your ultimate, so th going through all this, I mean, this is a huge moment for most anyone to kind of come out as breaking Baptist. Like, I'm breaking, I'm leaving, all that that just this baggage behind me. I'm still loving them. I, I I want to work in unity with them, and I still and I still can hold. You know, I can still go to a Baptist church and not feel like I I don't adhere to the fundamentals of the faith. Those are so important. But what would your so there's a lot of people out there like you. Uh, what would your main advice be? What would your advice be to people in your shoes or similar shoes? Okay, so um, my advice would be uh, get very analytical and get very real with yourself and personal and ask yourselves some questions. The first one, am I really experiencing personally on a personal basis in my life all these things that I'm hearing preached and talked about? Okay, that's number one. If the answer is no, you know, you're on the right track. Jesus is working in your life. Um, the second thing I wanna say before I go any further is that I I truly do I love the brethren more than I even did before all the people that have been a part of my life in my church upbringing and spiritual experience they are all so dear to me and I know some of them are going to be watching this video right now just because I'm changing certain opinions I have that are considered really really bad <laughs> to a lot of them um, I love I love the Lord more for it finding out that I'm free. <laughs> would you would you almost say I think the reason why you're like I love them more and this is reason this came to me. I think it's because you're you're not looking at people with an overly critical spirit anymore. Yes. You're not looking for the chink in the armor. You're now looking at the hole and you're going, you know what? I 
I love you despite that chink. Yes, yes. Um, I had just um, saved a verse on my way here. Um, uh, it is in John thirteen thirty four. Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then um, another one that is extremely encouraging to me, uh, in, in light of the question you just asked, um, what would my advice be? Um, check if you are actually loving the brethren. Like Will just mentioned, uh, I was very critical. And before, when you show up to church, it's almost like this subconscious fashion show. Everybody is there to make their presence known a lot of times. And, and so pastor or brother so-and-so doesn't approach me later or send me a text and say, hey, why weren't you here? A lot of people are just filling out a checklist. So ask yourself, am I filling out a checklist? Uh, am I feeling what they're preaching? But um, uh, Romans 13, 8 says, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Jesus is saying, okay, you want to know how to fulfill the entire Old Testament? The prophets love one another. <laughs> so um, I had a very critical and cynical spirit. And that is that is not a mark of Christ. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> Loving one another isn't always casting stones. All right. Um, All right. You know, it's sometimes it's going, you know what, I disagree with you, but I can still fellowship with you. Yeah. I, I disagree with you on some of these things, but, you Absolutely. know, uh, we both are trying to take the Word of God seriously. Uh, and, you know, that's the thing. It's like I said, I th there are things where you and I could probably go down an entire checklist and find things we disagree on. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is, that's not the point. We shouldn't <laughs> We shouldn't be dividing over things we disagree yeah. on. We should be uniting over things we do agree on. <laughs> uh, and, of course, unless, of course, I'm saying, you know, salvation by works or something, in which case, call me an actual heretic. Because I think there was one point you probably thought I was giving over to, what was it, a reprobate mind? Is that yeah. the word? <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, but you, you were asking, like, what advice would I give to somebody? Um, uh, another thing I would do is um, try, ask the Holy Spirit to remove any preconceived notions, what you thought you knew. It's important. And ask Him to remove any tainted lenses. Um, and, and the Lord was just gracious enough to do that for me and now view the truth raw in its, in its own raw format as God intended it to be. Understand, this is, this is another important thing. I don't know if you touched on it with Drew or not. Um, the Bible was written for me. All of the Bible was written for me, but not all of it was written to me. That is the thing to remember, is it is a very Jewish cultured book. And the only reason I'm allowed to be in on any of it is because of God's grace. I'm a Gentile dog, and if you think of yourself any higher than that, then you are not looking through a biblical proportion. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we're all just lucky to be on this train, okay? So <laughs> don't get too high-minded. <laughs> uh, That's um, fair. Yeah, so knowing that every command out of the Old Testament um, and, and a lot of different people groups throughout the Scripture, don't look at that and think, oh my goodness, God requires me to never shave my head and never eat a fruit of the vine or touch a grape or a dead body or honey or anything else. You know, uh, rightly divide, and that's 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 the whole. That's what Pastor Will's doing here is he's rightly dividing the word of truth. 
there's you know there's rightly dividing and then there's cherry picking picking out what I want to say. What I've noticed is that the IFB, someone that many times a day, they'd quote something from Leviticus at me or something. Mm -hmm. And it was really funny. I'm like, you know, you don't follow the rest of Leviticus. I find it funny you picked that one command that fits your current narrative. And I think that's something we need to do is be honest about the word of God. I love how you said that. I pray that God will remove the lenses, let you look at the scripture openly and honestly yourself and, uh, you know, have him speak to you and let the truth, and don't be scared of the truth. Embrace the truth and just get rid of those preconceived notions um, and just go at it head on and you'll find and I'm not saying that you're not going to land in there are certain areas that people will just you know Calvinism Arminianism Molinism yeah. there's this there's these areas where it's like I'm still taking scripture seriously we're landing in slightly different yeah. conclusions but you know let's not major on those things um, you know I, tomorrow I'm actually interviewing a, a Seamus and he's going to he's a, a Torah following Wow. believer. He believes in Jesus Christ, but he also believes he needs to follow the Torah. And it's going to be really interesting. And he's not an idiot, by the way. He's actually very brilliant. So I'm actually I'm, yeah. I'm a little scared about having my brain broken tomorrow, <laughs> but it's okay. But uh, is there, so real quick, is there any closing remarks you wanted to give everyone before we, before we close? Or? Yes. The, the leading and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is real. It's real. <laughs> and it's wonderful. And it, it is absolutely fantastic being able to have what the scripture talks about where he says, here, this is the way, go ye in it. Christian, believer, it can truly happen. But when that doesn't happen is when I take control. Um, and you the, quench the spirit. Yeah, and you quench the spirit. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we quench the spirit with our good intentions. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit and his comfort and his joy is so real. And I would have been lying before if I told you I knew what that was. But I'm not lying anymore. I know what it is. And, and the absolute victory and the renewal and transformation of your mind you can offer. And the way you look at things and view things is absolutely 100% real. And, but it starts with being real and genuine for yourself. And, and, and saying, okay, God, I'm ready for truth. And then also eventually being real and genuine with others. Yeah. I, I, it's one of the things where I tell people all the time, like, that's why I, I, I try to have as little pretense as possible. And it's because I don't want people to get fall in love with an image of Will. Yeah. Uh, especially as a pastor, I feel that's really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, if people can have an image of it. I had one person leave because they were like, well, this is just not what I think pastors should be like. And I'm like, okay. Um, it's just weird because, no, we, I don't, people shouldn't have an image of Ethan Young. They should right. know Ethan Young. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, and One song I like that I was not supposed to before, but uh -oh. uh, there, there's a song uh, by Casting Crowns. He says, "I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus." Yeah, and <laughs> like that, I just I think of that all the time now. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's powerful stuff. Like when you really start getting into the, the genuine genuineness of faith yeah. and just embracing the truth and not dogma. Yeah. I, I can't. It's one of the most freeing experiences, but also scary because it's all. <laughs> I'm it, scared to death. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, I say this all the time. Leaving legalism behind creates so much freedom, yeah. but it creates so much more restriction because the truth, once you come to the truth, truth is freeing in its understanding, but binding in its application because now I'm bound to that truth no matter whether it offends people or not. I think that's another thing when you're like you mentioned that friend of yours offense is a whole <laughs> everyone's going to be offended by something I'd rather them at least be offended by the truth. Right well and I will say I will say one thing as we're wrapping up too um, uh, 
just uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, it's okay. Um, you were t uh, you were just talking about offending uh, people. I lost it. Must not have been important. So. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay. So anyway, um, I hope this was helpful. Uh, the reason why I wanted Ethan on and I think why Ethan wanted to, is this is a, so real and raw and so personal and yeah. intimate with you currently. It's like this whole thing where you're like, everything you believed was a lie and your mind, mind's kind of shattered. You're looking at your your past and going, oh, I don't know about that, but it sometimes brought me here. So I know there's a lot of internal things going on and I appreciate you being open and willing to discuss some of those things. And I swear he's not a Debbie Downer. He, this is what? I remember what it was I was oh, to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have discovered that uh, you were you were just talking about how discovering liberty is also freeing but binding. I now may know that I have liberty to do a certain thing, but what I found is I haven't really run to those things. Just because I can do them and they're not supplying me with joy, it's almost like, oh, what's the best way I can describe it? Maybe a dad giving a child a birthday present and they're so excited. Let's just say it's a new bike. They're they're so excited to run out the door and play with that bike, but they're also so grateful to their dad that they can't help but stop and turn around and go back and hug him, keep hugging him, <laughs> thanking him for their bike. That's kind of it's it's my liberty that Christ has given me has not encouraged me to uh, stretch the leash. Right. I just, I actually keep on a wagon my tail around my dad. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Thanks, oh Lord, thank you. This whole big world, but I just want to be next to you right now. <laughs> like, this is so cool. Thank you for letting me actually enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm no longer bound by these restrictions and it just has increased my gratitude and like, it makes you actually want to obey him. I remember actually when you were right before we were, I, we keep saying we're going to wrap up and when we don't, um, but like you actually said, uh, you actually said once you're like, Will, like you called me and you're like, and the, these words come to mind. You're like, okay, now that I understand all this, the Christian life seems way, way easier now. I'm like, well, it's because you're looking from a performance based system. Uh, now it's an obedience based system. And once you actually are held to the fire of obeying uh, the word, as opposed to obeying simple traditions, yeah, traditions are really hard to keep up because they're not of God. Yeah. But the challenging thing is making sure that I am to stay accountable to the actual commands of God. And that can be just learning to love one another as I love myself. That's, that's hard enough. Uh, I'm really okay with not trying to fill, fulfill anyone else's opinions because I'm doing everything I can right now just to love one another, love God, and that's enough of a challenge yes. in and of itself. Yes. Yes. So, but uh, I would encourage everybody too, if you see the term independent fundamental Baptist church anywhere, don't write them off immediately. My wife and I are in one right now, and it is an amazing body of believers with pastors that don't hold a lot of the strict views that we're talking about today. Complete disclosure. So flavors of ice cream out there. Just find a good one. Co co complete disclosure. Uh, technically, my church is independent fundamental Baptist. Yeah. yeah. Te technically. Don't write it all off. Don't so, just say, oh, i got to avoid that place. Uh, don't, don't write us all off. But also, it's <laughs> scary because sometimes I, what, people come th looking for the classic experience, and then they find me and... <laughs> 
it's not the classic experience that they were looking for. Uh, but anyway, visit his church yet? <laughs> uh, we don't want you. Um, so anyway, uh, with that being said, I just wanted to quickly thank everyone. I know this is a long video, like most of our videos, um, but I thank you for all who stick around. I think that's that's what's so great about these. Ethan, thank you so much for being on. Follow him again at Clean Cut Comedy. I swear he's hilarious. Um, my wife is pretty much his biggest fan. So you are going to see two different people in comparison to this video and the ones I have posted over there. Yeah, well, you've kind of let it seep, seep through a little bit in this, so people yeah. people know what to expect. He's just an idiot. What do you want? <laughs> so, it's actually it, uh, something we didn't really get into in the interview, but I was I was called to full-time ministry, but I that was another thing I came to grips with is that I am no longer called to uh, a paid position in a local church organization. Uh, God calls has called me to give joy to others and be an encouragement to others, and that's exactly what I want to accomplish with my channel. So that's my new calling, by the way. <laughs> new calling is making people laugh. That's yes. pretty great. It's better than what I do. I've been called the pot stirrer. So um, anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Whoop! I bit my mic. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. My name is Will. This is Ethan. There it is. <laughs> and this has been the Church Split.